Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton, operating in more than 100 countries. Our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. The South Carolina Ports Authority, a major economic driver in South Carolina, supporting 187,000 jobs and nearly $53 billion in annual economic activity. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. At this point on the cusp of fall, there's not really any one glaring issue that crushes other community concerns with summer vacation in the rear view. We are a bit like that computer that's been asleep for a while, starting to wake up and is now assessing those priorities and things that need immediate attention. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy, public affairs here in this region. On this program, panelists include Ted Pitts from the South Carolina Chamber and Neil Robbins of the North State Journal. And later on, one of a few, if not only presidents of the North Carolina Community College System of recent that was unanimously chosen to serve by his governing board. High praise indeed, but much responsibility as well. Later on, we meet Peter Hans. Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Neil Robbins from the North State Journal, Ted Pitts of the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce, and special guest, Peter Hans, president of the North Carolina Community College System. Welcome to our program. Uh, is, I think it's fair to say happy fall, right? Almost. Yeah, almost. Kind of football season's here. It's gonna, yeah, you know what? That's funny. There was, a, there was a headline in the Charleston Post that said two things happen in the fall. South Carolina politics, North Carolina politics, and football. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Carolina or Carolina or any of the games, but I do want to ask you about South Carolina politics. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, you've got Henry McMaster that's going to run for, for election the first time because he was appointed. Uh, and then you've got James Smith, a representative from South Carolina, that look looks like that is the de that's going to be the heat for the gubernatorial race. How does that end up? What does that look like? You know, I, I think both are well established and have a proven track record. James has been in the South Carolina House, house for a long time. Henry's a well-known commodity. I think both parties, in a lot of ways, had a primary that um, that was contentious in some ways. James not quite as contentious on the Democrat side as it was on the Republican side. But I think it's, um, it's setting itself up to be a good showdown. You know, South Carolina is a red state. So, I mean, if you were predicting or betting, you know, you probably bet red. But who knows? You never know what's going to happen. Does the success of Nikki Haley's post-gubernatorial career have any shadow? Does that do anything in South Carolina for anybody? No, I mean, I go around the state and people, um, they're so proud of the work Nikki's doing at the UN and just, um, you know, so proud of the, the life that she's living and what she's working on. So... I don't know that it has a shadow. I mean, I think everybody is, is kind of focused on South Carolina today, but folks like Bobby Hitt and others are kind of carrying on the legacy of, 
what Nikki started with the recruitment of industry and jobs. You know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Ted, but you worked with Nikki. You know Nikki. How has Nikki been able to be Teflon when it comes to some of the things that have stuck to Trump and people close to him by identified, but yet she is quite the rock star within that administration? I mean, and that's not an overstatement, right? right. I mean, she's very obviously very talented. Um, she connects with people. I mean, when you travel with her, when you see she people are drawn to her, she connects with them. She's also very de very decisive. She takes the time to get all the information, but then she makes a decision, and by yeah. God, you're going to carry out the decision. So I think that's something that people um, appreciate. She's not, you know, worried about ruffling feathers. And I think, you know, realistically, you know, people understand that she's going to tell you where she's standing and she's going to um, carry through with what she says. Uh, Neil, I don't know, in North Carolina, I don't know if uh, politics or some of the debate around politics ever took a break in the summer. So uh, same kind of question. So we've got the fall. We've got some serious issues around not just politics but races that are going to be contested what does what does north carolina's landscape look like at the end of november i mean i think it still looks very divided urban and rural i think that's one of the big issues that that are that i think republicans and democrats have got to face in the in the fall and in november elections but i think at the end it's hard to prognosticate about how exactly the general assembly is going to break down certainly the governor is pushing to break the supermajority in one of the chambers the house or the senate it looks like the house might be more in play than the senate would be for that um but i think it's going to come down to the people and, and the turnout in north carolina if 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 the constitutional amendments that are proposed, the six constitutional amendments in North Carolina are on, are actually on the ballot, and they draw people. I think the Republicans have got a good chance of keeping the supermajority uh, unless there's a big backlash against those amendments. And if there is, the Democrats are successful in portraying those amendments as bad for the people, and they turn out a lot of Democratic votes, then I think you can see the supermajorities fall for the Republicans. Do you think the RNC decision to locate to Charlotte for their uh, for for their conclave, you think that has any effect in this fall's election? I don't, but I think it's 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 all about 2020. It shows how important North Carolina is electorally for um, the Trump campaign. It's also how important 2020 is for Republicans in North Carolina uh, statewide. I think you're looking at a Dan Forrest, Roy Cooper battle royale, and um, having the RNC in Charlotte is certainly going to be a boon for for a Forrest campaign if he chooses to run. Any surprise or dark horses that you see showing up in the gubernatorial contest? I'll be honest, I've been Murphy to Manio. I kind of, I'm a, I'm a citizen of Highway 64 in North Carolina, <laughs> it seems. And uh, to a man, I see most people coalescing behind a forest run in the Republicans. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see, uh, uh, at least right now, as we stand right now, uh, forest seems to have a, a pretty solid coalesced group of Republican backers, both financially and also mm -hmm. on the grassroots level. Ted, uh, a Trump administration has certainly been hyperbolic about trade and tariffs and fairness and level playing field. And, and, and many people behind the scenes have cheered the fact that the, that the Chinese are being held accountable in some of the trade. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about anecdotal. Let's talk about a getting real. Is this getting real now? Do you see some real evidence of a, of a trade dispute that shows up uh, with some of your members, with in some of the communities in South Carolina, what's your thought? You know, I still think it's a little bit too early to tell. You know, by and large, our membership businesses in South Carolina appreciate the administration tackling this issue. Yeah. For so long, um, America has been discriminated against in goods with tariffs from other places when we've allowed their goods to come into the, the country without tariffs. But you know, ultimately, we're for free trade, free and fair trade. 
But I do think, you know, you are having companies that are looking, they look long-term and they're long-term maybe the next year or two, which is short-term to others. But I think they're looking um, at having to make decisions, you know, based on kind of the uncertainty that exists around trade. You know, ultimately South Carolina has been a beneficiary of free and fair trade. NAFTA benefited the state ultimately, you know, the textile guys would tell you otherwise, but I think by and large it's benefited um, the state. You know, the, the um, supply chain and sourcing is now global. So, I mean, I don't know that there's right now that there's a direct impact that can be seen, but you have individual companies that are having to make decisions and deal with um, problems that have come up with the trade conflict. Is there any sense of this, of course this is my term, but is there any sense the Secretary Hitt or, or Commerce in South Carolina are whistling past the graveyard here when they expect that, you know, the lack of industrial diversification with automotive and aerospace, very, very successful but pretty deep there. Is that is that at risk? So I think um, most people would tell you that they hope the administration moves quickly with this trade conflict. Um, you know, Mexico and Canada, I think we're going to end up in a good place. NAFTA needed to be updated. I think in the EU with automotive um, products and components and um, units, I think we're going to end up in an okay place, but it's still too early to tell. I mean, this administration obviously has targeted China. Mm -hmm. China is a bad actor. Everybody knows China cheats, but ultimately some uh, South Carolina manufacturer supply chains, their sourcing comes out of, uh, from Chinese manufacturers. So it's still too early to tell, but but ultimately, I think we're hopeful that after we get through this conflict that the U.S. and South Carolina is left in a better place from a trade perspective. Neil, uh, specific to some business and, and corporate news, uh, it was a bit of a surprise for people to see that the longtime corporate resident in North Carolina, VF Corp., uh, some serious brand names decided to move to Denver, move their headquarters to Denver. A couple overhangs there where the Lee and the Wrangler brands were going to be spun out and, and stay in North Carolina, in North Carolina at least for now. What are, what are some of the observations from the triad about it more than just a, a bruise to the ego? Sure. Well, I, I think there's a little bit of a salve on that wound for the triad in that Publix announced a new facility in Greensboro this week. To, um, to bring a thousand new jobs to the Greensboro area. So that's, as the VF announcement comes out, they get a little bit of a, of a positive upswing, but that's 800 jobs leaving North Carolina, going to Colorado. Um, I think it's interesting, we talk about, you know, politicians like to take credit for um, economic development. You know, every time there's a new job announcement, every politician wants to run and be at the front of the line and cut the ribbon and put the golden shovel in the ground. And, and they want to take credit for that job coming. Yet, I haven't seen a lot of media outcry of blaming the politicians for VF leaving. Uh, it's certainly sad to see a textile Titan leave the textile mm -hmm. um, Garden of Eden almost for uh, textiles. <laughs> so it's, it's sad to see that go, but I think it's good for the triad region that they are getting some more good uh, high paying jobs back with, through Publix. And before we leave the topic too far of, of free trade, um, you know, free trade is a is a political term. We talk about politicians taking credit for economic development. Free trade is is, is a is a fictional term that's that we've been talking about in business for a long time. There is no free trade. Uh, as long as there are tariffs, winners and losers are going to get picked. And as long as the US has such a heavy regulatory regime on manufacturing, our our trade is not going to be fair mm -hmm. with other nations in the world. 
Thank you for that last word. Uh, before we meet our guests, a couple of things. Uh, I'd like to thank, and we, we don't have a shot of her because she's not out here. Mebin Rash, she's, I, I think, North Carolina's secret weapon when it comes to education and education policy. Uh, she is the executive director of EdNC. And if you know anything about it, Google it. EdNC is uh, quite an organization. In the interest of fairness, I'm on that board and, and um, the executive committee. But Mebin Rash is with us today in the studio tweeting live on this program, uh, tweeting live while this program is being taped. So, Mebin, thank you for doing that. You're going to see more about this program because our guest coming up is key to education. Uh, before we do that, next week on this program, Dr. Patrick Conway is the CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. He will join us. And also the incoming president, or rather the named and practicing president, of the Richmond Federal Reserve Bank, which of course includes North and South Carolina. Thomas Parkin will also be on this program. Years ago, it used to be if you did not have a plan after high school graduation, you went right to work or you, and I use this term intentionally, ended up at community or technical college. That earlier marginalization of what is now one of the region's not-so-secret weapons in community and economic development is no longer true. The North Carolina Community College System, along with South Carolina's technical system, but more specifically in North Carolina, they will enroll almost 800,000 students this year, 58 campuses, in what is reported to be the third largest community slash technical college system in this nation. Elected in the spring of this year and joining us now is the ninth president of the North Carolina Community College System, Mr. Peter Hans. President Hans, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Chris, for inviting me. Absolutely. So um, you went from, I'm, I'm not going to say an outside observer, Peter, you went from kind of the, the, the fire in the frying pan or the frying pan in the fire. Uh, Peter, what's job one? You hear all the dialogue about education and affordable housing and rural-urban divide and all of these things that it challenges communities. But how do you figure out what is important, what's a priority for a community college, and, and where do you lead, and where do you take the system? Job number one is to expand as many educational opportunities for as many North Carolinians as possible. And for us to do so in an affordable, accessible, flexible, and high-quality manner. Now, all the experts Chris, tell us that given the changes in today's economy, mm -hmm. that two-thirds of North Carolinians are going to need credentials beyond high school uh, to be successful in the economy. Right now, North Carolina is in the low 40% range. It is only community colleges that can move quickly enough with agility to educate uh, as many North Carolinians who are going to need those credentials to succeed in today's economy, much less tomorrow's. Is it about the process to date that's been used to deploy in the system, or is it about a budget? It's both. We need additional resources mm -hmm. to accomplish that. Uh, community colleges stretch the dollar quite thinly, uh, and as a taxpayer, I'm, I'm proud of that. But an investment in the community colleges will yield enormous dividends for this state. That's certainly, we have a proven track record in that respect. Uh, but as we undergo those changes in the economy, in technology, and society, community colleges will be more at the center of this state's economic development and workforce development strategy than ever before. Mm -hmm. Ted? 
Yeah, question um, related to kids coming to, or um, adults even coming to the community colleges here in North Carolina. What percentage do you see that are there to get the first two years of a four-year degree are there to get a credential or a certificate that then they can go get a job? Ted, currently we're approaching half a million North Carolinians who are pursuing workforce development credentials uh, through vocational or continuing education programs. Uh, and about a quarter million pursuing the more traditional academic uh, programs, the curriculum uh, that leads to an associate's degree or possibly onto a four-year institution. So when you think about a state with a population of approximately 10 million people, to have between 700 and 800,000 North Carolinians coming through the doors every year, that's remarkable reach, depth, and impact. Does the, does the state's emphasis on funding, does it treat those students differently, whether they're trying to, you know, in South Carolina, you can use a lottery scholarship to get an associate's degree, but you not necessarily could use it to get a welding certificate. And that's one of the things the business community has yes. talked about trying to address. Yes, and we're working very closely with our partners in the business community to put more of a funding emphasis in that short-term workforce training area the General Assembly certainly recognizes that need. They supported us with an additional $15 million in this year's short session to accomplish that. But we'll be back to them uh, for more because there is tremendous need here. As I'm sure you're experiencing in South Carolina, we are here in North Carolina as well, uh, lots of unfilled jobs. Uh, people are underemployed if we provide them the opportunity to upgrade their skills, they can go to work tomorrow. Yeah. I think that's gonna be a big challenge for the General Assembly in the long session is to address the funding formula differences between the certificate programs and the curriculum-based programs. That's right. um, my, my question is a little bit back to your old job and a little bit about your new job. I'm hearing a lot of really good information about the NC Promise program, especially as it relates to UNC Pembroke and um, Western Carolina University in terms of increased applications, but also increased transfers to the community college. Just from your UNC days, sure. Uh, how is that? Is that is that what you guys were seeing data-wise? And then, how do you see those that those programs impacting people going on to a four-year college from the community colleges? Neil, I believe uh, community college students uh, who intend to pursue a four-year degree. Uh, that start uh, in community colleges, and some can even start in high schools today through our Career and College Promise program, accumulate credits that'll transfer towards an associate's degree and onto a four-year institution. These are really smart, smart individuals, whether they're traditional age or adult learners, because they can save tens of thousands of dollars towards a university education. And given all the increasing concern and legitimate concern about ballooning student debt, uh, that's a really smart choice to start at a community college and do so uh, near home, uh, figure out exactly what you'd like to accomplish. We'll provide a guided pathway uh, so that uh, you can accomplish just that, transfer your credits, and take advantage of the NC Promise programs and others. Uh, with our public and private university partners. Does that, Peter, does that take, and I'm gonna use this metaphor, does that take some of the air out of the balloon for the traditional four-year university in that 
you, you know, if I'm running a four-year university, I want to have access to the to widest audience to win people to come and, and attend my school. If that does the community college system, does middle college, does college promise, do all of these new ideas? Does that take away from what a four-year school like the like the UNC system might be trying to promote? Does it run counter to anything? No, uh, President Spellings and I uh, collaborate on any number of issues and initiatives, and she's very concerned about uh, matters such as I uh, mentioned, increasing the education attainment levels of North Carolinians. She understands community colleges are a big vehicle to accomplish just that. She wants to keep uh, the affordability of higher education uh, possible for all North Carolinians, understands exactly that path through community colleges mm -hmm. uh, is a great way to stay out of debt or keep your debt low. She also understands if we're gonna educate more underserved populations in North Carolina, that community colleges are really the open door uh, for doing so. And so our collaboration on that front, mm -hmm. the university uh, understands, the President Spellings and the Board of Governors understands community colleges are a partner uh, not a competitor. Um, in 2010 in South Carolina, unemployment was up around 11%. You know, now it's down below 4%. Right. If you talk to the technical college system in South Carolina, they would say that they have less butts in seats during when unemployment rates really low because people are out working. That's right. In North Carolina, are y'all seeing the same um, kind of trend where the unemployment rate's low, so people have jobs, they aren't looking for that additional skill or that additional certificate? To a certain extent. During the recession, our enrollment spiked. Uh, during the recovery, enrollment declined. It has since stabilized because I think there is a greater awareness of the opportunities available at community colleges. You, you know, people could take a, a nine-week course to learn how to become a lineman. Duke Energy may hire them uh, at a salary of up to $70,000 a year. Uh, there are any number of opportunities like that out there for people who may be underemployed uh, or want to change careers in a very short-term basis can gain the skills uh, so they can provide for themselves and their families in a whole new way. Yeah. Good conversation going on right now. I think nationally, people like Mike Rowe, who are bringing the conversation sure. about, you don't have to have a four-year degree to label yourself successful. Right. You don't have to have a four-year degree to be considered educated, and you certainly don't need a four-year degree to have a great paying job that pays you well above the, the average mean income anywhere. Um, are you guys taking advantage of that to market to potential um, students, either that are graduated from high school or who are maybe already out in the workforce? We're gonna begin a marketing campaign, Neil. In fact, I'm raising money for it right now because I think that holds remarkable potential for us to raise awareness of those opportunities. For too long, the message has been, you must go on to get a four-year degree or you're somehow uh, a failure. And that's absolutely the wrong thing uh, to communicate. I, I think it uh, was unintentional, but that's been the message received by too many uh, when in fact, that's a great path for uh, many people, including myself. Uh, for others, uh, there are uh, other paths to success, whether it is uh, in the trades through workforce training uh, or a college transfer path uh, through, the, through the community college system. Just the other day, I was in Sampson County. There's a tremendous demand for truck drivers. 
I asked, how long is the program? 11 weeks. Starting salary, $50,000 a year. So where's the disconnect, Peter? Is it the agents in the field vis-a-vis the high school counselors? Is it outside counselors? Is it teachers? Is it, um, you know, we, we talked about in South Carolina that the technical college system is, as you well know, is the same challenge. But who is out there promoting which, how you just described it? Well, we're going to be doing a lot more of that through this marketing campaign. You mentioned Mebane Rash with Ed NC. Mm -hmm. uh, they have been very vocal advocates uh, for the community college system, helping us raise that awareness. And I sense a shift in the cultural mindset about community colleges uh, and the opportunities we provide. Again, it's affordable, accessible, flexible, high quality, a quick path to a career, or a less expensive way to go on to a four-year institution. That's a heck of a bargain. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got about a minute left, Peter, and I want to ask you, you, you were talking about the Duke example and how you can do that training set them free in the Duke uh, environment and they will make and, and most likely flourish. Uh, in Raleigh, Infosys made the point of putting a stake in the ground, relocating to Raleigh from overseas because of the Wake Tech example. Is that right? Yes, it, it is remarkable. The difference we uh, are able to play in economic development. In fact, the Commerce Department and the Economic Development Partnership in North Carolina would tell you the most valuable incentive they have is the community college's ability to, to customize job training for industries that are locating in North Carolina or expanding their existing operations yeah. in North Carolina. Uh, President Hans, thank you for being on the program. Thank Congratulations you, on the thank job. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a great all honor. eyes, all eyes are watching. <laughs> it's a wonderful leadership opportunity, a chance to help a lot of North Carolinians. Yeah, you're you're going to do well. Thanks, Peter. Thank good you, sir. You. Neil, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. Ted, always nice to have Chris, you here. always nice. Uh, thanks for being on our program. Our special thanks to Mevin Rash at NC for your help on this program, Mevin. And thank you for watching. Until next week, I'm Chris William. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by the Duke Endowment, Barings, Grant Thornton, the South Carolina Ports Authority, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.com.